Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. It is, it's so good to see you today. Um, I know that if, if you're like me, you know, you're, <clears throat> you're looking for signs that spring is here. Don't, don't, it's not, it's not really here yet. Um, we, but we have changed seasons. We are now in the pothole filling season. So you see the trucks out there and you see that one poor lone guy with a shovel trying to dodge traffic and he's, you know, he's, he's trying to fill that pothole before somebody runs over it and runs over him. And, uh, but it's, spring is, you know, it's at least, it, we can talk about it now, so it's all right. Um, we are starting a new series of messages called On the Road Again. I promise you it has nothing to do with Willie Nelson. Um, it's, it, <laughs> uh, no, no, it does not, no, it, no, it doesn't have anything to do with him. Um, but uh, this, uh, this series that we're going to do, we're going to talk about the, the roads that the scripture mentions. The Bible talks about various roads, and I've wanted to do this series for a long time, and I'm, I'm excited about it, because it's, it's, it's really, it's, I, th- I think it's going to be something that we enjoy together. But I'm going to start this, uh, this series. And, and I, I did something this past week. I put a, just a little note on Facebook and I said, hey, what are the, what's the strangest name of a road that you know of? And if you can actually send me a picture of the sign, you get extra credit points. And I was have been shocked by the number. It's I think it, I've had over fifty responses. And normally, you know, if if we get a, a couple responses, we're we're happy with something. But um, but I've got people sending me pictures of road signs from all over the country, and uh, I'll share some of those throughout the month. But I wanted to start today. I'm I'm going to share in just a minute a survey or a poll that uh, USA Today did. Uh, but. We have, to, we have to think about it in terms of how many roads are in America. There's over 4 million miles of roads in America. And about two-thirds of those are paved. And, and the, this poll that USA Today did, it came up with the strangest names um, of roads in America. And I want to share their top four list. I will share others that did not make the list throughout the month. Um, but I, I just thought these were, <clears throat> these were really awesome. I had to send these. Um, number four in the USA Today poll um, was an intersection of two roads. In Albany, Georgia, um, it's the intersection of Lonesome and Hard Up. <laughs> you can't make these things up. Austin was in first service. He's from Georgia, and I just looked at him and shook my head. Uh, we can't, you know, we can't do anything about it. This is actually, number three is my favorite, um, and it's not just the name of the road, which is great all by itself, but there's also another additive which I have to give you. But this is in, in Tennessee, and the name of, the, of the, the road is called Far From Poopin' Road. Okay? And, and it's the only way to get to, wait for it, Constipation Ridge. Far from pooping road. If you don't get that, you need to talk to a six-year-old, um, and they'll tell you. He said poop. Um, there's in in um, Pennsylvania, um, you know, 
streets have different, you know, road, street, avenue, court. There's a divorce court. Um, <laughs> Come on, divorce. Who in the world? Could you imagine trying to register that with the city? Yeah, I'd rather register far from pooping. Um, and right here in our own Traverse City, Michigan, there is psychopath. Psychopath. So life is filled with different roads, and really those roads are they're kind of they're basically their choices that we have. And uh, those roads get us somewhere, they take us somewhere. And the first road that I want to look at comes from Luke chapter 15. Um, I'm sure that you've heard it before. It's the story of the prodigal son. So let me read <clears throat> from Luke chapter 15, beginning at verse number 11. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe And put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. And uh, he was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come. Came to his father and he said, Dad, I want my half of uh, the estate and I want it now. You know what he was really saying to his dad? I wish you were dead. Because if you were dead, I would have all that I desire. So... Now, there's no obligation for this because what if both boys had come and asked for their half of the estate? What would the father have had left? Nothing. I mean, I mean he, there's no obligation. I mean, if, if my kids came to me and said, hey, dad, you know, we'd really like our, you know, and I'd, I'd say like, listen, I'm not really planning on there's going to be anything left for you, you know. <laughs> so here's 10 bucks. Um, 
No, but, but we, you know, we wouldn't think of doing that, but that's what he did. He really was saying, I, I, you're better off to me dead, dad. And so he comes and he asks, and even though the father is not bound, he, he gives it to him. So the inheritance is divided between them, and it says that he sets off for a distant country. He said, I'm out. I'm done working with you. I'm done taking your orders. I'm done doing life the way that you want to do life. What do we say as parents? As long as you're under my roof, you're going to do things my way, right? We say those things. This son was saying, I'm out. You've given me my half. I now have the ability to get away from you. In fact, distant country literally means to just get as far away as possible from his father. So it didn't matter what country it was. It just mattered that it was in a direction that was as far away as he could possibly get. And he was gonna, he was gonna just, no, no purpose, no aim, other than to just go as far away as he possibly could from his dad. And it says that he squandered his inheritance on wild living. In other words, he wasted it. He spent it. Now, if you're fortunate enough in your lifetime to get an inheritance, a lot of times those things can be, um, the, 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 when they're given, there can be things p- placed on it that, that would say you don't get it until you're 25 or 30 years old, or if it's, you know, if, especially if it's a lot of money, because they want to make sure that you've grown enough and learned life lessons enough to know how to use that amount of money. Because an inheritance isn't something that we, we, th- we think about living on. It's something that we're going to put to work for us. It's something that we're going to, we're going to put it away. We're going to let it grow. We're going to let it really, really, uh, in, we're going to invest it. Um, but this young man, instead, he used it on pleasure. In fact, later in these verses, the oldest son even says prostitutes. Just think about um, the, 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 the how ineffective it is to search for pleasure hiring prostitutes uh, because there's no relationship. It simply costs you money. You get a momentary uh, type of pleasure. And that's what this guy was spending his money on. He wanted, he wanted to be away from dad and he wanted to do nothing but party. And he used this inheritance for his own pleasure. He rejected everything about his father. And this really is a picture of us in our relationship uh, with God before we came to know God. We're on this, this type of a road in our lives. Um, Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 6 says, all we like sheep have gone astray. Each one of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. So you and I, we are really born on the road uh, to rejection. We're born with a, with a sinful nature, and that nature is always taking us farther and farther away from God. That's the kind of nature that we've been born with. And this young man, his desire was to get away from God. And Isaiah said that all of us, All of us have been on or are currently on the road to rejection. 
that at one time in our lives or now, we have been in a place where we willingly or, or un, maybe even unknowingly have lived in rejection of God. And Isaiah said that all of our sin was laid on Jesus. Even though we're born in this road to rejection, we live in, with this sinful nature. It leaves us destitute. It leaves us ravaged. God's desire is that we would come home. And the way to do that is to take care of that sin that we have in our lives. And so what he did is he, des he designed a plan of salvation where our sin could be laid on Jesus and he could pay the price for that sin. So all we would have to do is acknowledge that what Jesus did was for me. That Jesus died on the cross not for his sin, but for mine. Do you see what I'm saying? That, that if we acknowledge that Jesus, that God laid our sin on Jesus, and all we must do is embrace what Jesus did, then we will be able to be restored to our Heavenly Father. God sent His Son to draw us to Himself, and He's given us the ability to choose. John chapter 3, verse 36, Jesus said, Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son, will not see life for God's wrath remains on them. You might say, well, I've never rejected God. I've never rejected Jesus. My question is, have you accepted Jesus? Because to not accept Jesus is to reject Jesus. Because there is no middle of the road answer. And you can say, I don't, I just don't believe any of this. And, and that's fine. You can say that. It doesn't change the truth. It doesn't change the fact that that is still a rejection. So what road are you on? The road of rejection. If you're on the road of rejection, that is a road that will lead you further and further away from your loving Heavenly Father. And ultimately, it is a road that leads to hell. And the choice, whether or not to be on that road, is yours. Road number two is the road to realization. I really like this road. Um, this young man has used up all of his resources, his inheritance, the money's gone, and when the money's gone, the friends are gone. You ever notice that? When you ain't buying, they ain't coming. Why? Because it's the money that actually draw the, drew them, not actual friendship. But the money's gone, there's a severe famine in the land, and for the first time in this young man's life, he does not have the resources to take care of himself. His dad is not there to provide for him. His money is all gone and he is now hungry and he has to get a job. But remember, he's in a distant, a distant country. He's not in his own land. And we're assuming from this story that this young man is a Jew and now he's working for a Gentile. That is not, that's not seen as something that you would like to do. But even beyond that, what kind of a job did he get? He's not washing dishes at the diner. He's feeding pigs. You have to understand in Jewish culture, in the Old Testament, pigs were seen as a, a dirty, unclean, unedible animal. Okay? A, a couple years ago, I got a phone call from a friend of mine, and he said, you, you want to buy a pig? And I'm like, what? You want to buy a pig? I got, a, I got a truck full of pigs coming to Marquette, and I, I, I want to know if you want to buy. I said, yes, I want to buy a pig. And I bought a pig. And, and 
it was taken to the butcher and I went and picked it all up. It was delicious. I mean, it was fantastic. I still have a couple of hams in my freezer that I intend fully to eat because they're good. But if, if you were a Jew, this was not, they didn't eat ham and they didn't, they didn't want to work to feed the pigs. And this guy finds himself jealous of what the pigs are eating. He looked at the pods that said that they were eating and he wished he, he, he was jealous of what they were eating. He was desperate and nobody gave him anything. That's the condition that this young man finds himself in. He is in the, he's at the bottom of the barrel. Some of you may have been at the bottom of the barrel in your life before. That is not a fun place to be. The bottom of the barrel is that place where you really wonder to yourself, is there anywhere lower that I could possibly go? This young man, he's thinking about his, uh, his, his family. He's thinking about his dad, and he has this epiphany. And the, the, the word epiphany, I love that word because it's, it's like this light bulb moment. But when you look at the word epiphany in the definition, it is a divine light bulb. It is not just your intelligence. It's a divine light coming on in your head where all of a sudden you have a realization, but God is the reason that you have that realization. And this young man had that moment where the light came on. And he said, you know what? My, at home, my dad's servants, they all have more than enough to eat. They have extra food. And so he thought to himself, he made up a plan. He said, I'm going to, I'm going to go. And I'm going to go back to my father. And I'm going to tell my dad that I'm not even worthy to be a son. I'm, I'm going to ask him for forgiveness. I'm going to humble myself. I'm going to repent. I'm going to accept whatever, whatever punishment I, I need, but I want to go back to my dad. And, and that, is a, that is a place, that is a moment where this young man found himself and his road at this moment felt like he was at the bottom of the barrel. James chapter four and verse six, the second half of, of that verse it says, that is why scripture says God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. You see, at the moment when he left his pride behind and he became humble, God began to favor him. And there was this, this, this opportunity for something to happen. When we're living in rejection of God, God opposes us, but when we humble ourselves, he favors us. The road to realization is a roundabout. It is. When, when the roundabouts came, there, it was so much fun to watch the confusion on people's faces when they got to the roundabouts. And, and I, the, the, it was really funny because there's somebody that works here from the, or works at the county highway department was in the first service. And, and it was just, you could just see the, the panic over their face because of the remembering the phone calls that they got at the county, you know, because of all these things happening and people not knowing how to get through them. And it's so much funny to watch that because there's options. You can take the first right or you can go to the second right, which is really straight, or you can go to the third right, or the fourth option, which I really like, you can go back the way you came, okay? <laughs> now, when, when the roundabouts came to Marquette, did you, ever, did you ever say to yourself, okay, I need to test this out? 
Maybe it was in the evening and there wasn't a lot of traffic, but you just thought, I'm just going to hang on and keep turning left. Okay, and you go by the first one, the second one, and you just do a couple laps around, around the roundabout. I mean, that's just, you're just using the, the tax dollars that you've paid, okay? And you're just enjoying getting used to this. Um, but but the, the roundabout is what this road to realization really is. It's the place where you have the ability to turn around. Think about that for a moment. You see, sin is going to take you farther than you want to go. It's going to keep you longer than you were planning to stay, and it's going to cost you more than you were willing to pay. And there is this moment, this divine moment of the light coming on, an epiphany in this young man's mind. The light comes on, and he realizes, I have a chance to turn around. And, and you know that moment in our minds, in our hearts, it doesn't last very long. In fact, if you, if you have a moment like that and you don't respond to it, that moment can pass. Because it's a, it's a, it's a fleeting feeling that you have. That if I just humble myself and turn around and go back to my father and everything is going to be better than it is right now. If you, if you let that go, I believe that our hearts will harden because that is a moment that the Holy Spirit orchestrates. And this young man had that moment. Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 12 It says, there is a way that appears to be right, but in the end, it leads to death. He was there. He found that out. He thought this was the right way. This was the fun way. This was the great opportunity for me. And now he has realized that the only thing left for him to do is to starve to death. It literally, the road leads to death. But on the road to realization, God opens our minds. Paul says in Acts 26, verse 18, God has has sent Paul to the Gentiles, and here's why. To open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God so that they may receive forgiveness of sins. That is what is possible when someone is on the road to realization. It's that moment when God opens people's eyes through the power of the Holy Spirit. I believe that we can come to Jesus any day of the week, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. You can come to know Jesus at any moment. The problem is, is that it takes the spiritual epiphany. And that is where the Holy Spirit is working. And those don't come seven days a week, 365 days a year. Those come from time to time. So how we respond in that moment means everything. This young man, he had a plan. But I want you to know that a plan is never a guarantee. The road to realization is not a guarantee. I know a lot of people that have been on the road to realization. And they got to that that roundabout and they just kept circling around. They just kept circling around. And rather than going back the way they came, what did they do? They took a different turn and they went a different direction. It's not a guarantee. The third road that this story talks about is the road to repentance. 
The new party friends weren't there anymore. The plan, you know, you can have a plan. I, I, listen, I'm on the road to, to realization. I've got, I've got this epiphany. I'm going to do this. To have a plan is nothing if there's no action that's attached to it. You have to act once you have the plan. If you don't act, you'll either stay on the road to realization or you'll take that wrong turn and you'll get off and go in a different direction. But this man had a plan. So he got up, he put action to the plan and he went to his father, the one person that he knew loved him and he acknowledged his sin against heaven. He acknowledged his sin against his dad. He confessed, he recognized his unworthiness as a son. And that's what repentance is. It is that roundabout experience where we don't just go around and around and around on the road to realization, but we actually get off and we begin to move back toward the father. Repentance is a 180 degree change of direction. 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 10 says, Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation. Repentance leads us to salvation and leaves no regret, but worldly sorrow brings death. Jesus came to call sinners to repentance, and repentance always leads to life. Did you know that God desires everyone to repent? Everyone. Peter said, God would that none would perish, but that all would come to repentance. God desires everyone to get to the road to repentance. Because that's where salvation comes, and that's where life is, is on the road to, to, uh, to repentance. It always leads there, and that's what God ultimately desires. Romans chapter 2 and verse 4, the second half of the verse, it says that God's kindness is intended to lead us to repentance, that's what God desires. It's out of the kindness of his heart. People always say, I can't, I, can, I can't believe in a God who would send somebody to hell. God's not sending them to hell. He's, he's providing an opportunity to turn your life around and to go the opposite direction and make it to salvation and life and heaven. There's four million roads, four million miles of roads. That's a lot of roads in America. And I think half of them, John, they get to Minneapolis. My, one of my favorite ways, <laughs> one of my favorite ways is to go uh, M28 to US2 to Duluth. And I'll tell you one of the reasons why is I, I just love driving through Duluth. It is a pretty drive over those bridges, you know, and to get to see the lake. And, and it's, it's really, it's really nice. And, and that generally means we're going to my father-in-law's. But if you're going to Minneapolis, you know, you get on 35W or 35 and you head south to the Twin Cities. You know, that's great. It's a wonderful, it's a wonderful way to get to Minneapolis. The problem is you can't go from between December first and yesterday. You can't go to Minneapolis that way during that time period. You say, what are you talking about? No, the road is closed with snow, okay? It's, it, it's not, it's, it's scary, okay? We live in Marquette. We're used to snow, right? Right? You just, just remember the last time you tried something like that. It's kind of scary. There's that much snow, 
The whole world goes to snowmobile over there, okay? We, it's just, and they pray for a lot of snow there. Here in Marquette, we don't pray for snow, okay? In Ironwood, they pray for snow. But there's another way that you can get to Minneapolis. You know, you can go 41 South, go through Escanaba, but stay along the lake on US 35, okay, or M35, and, and then get, you know, you get down through Menominee and Marinette, and you go a little further south, and you get to Oconto, and you jump on Highway 22, John, and you, you shoot over to Shano. Yeah, you shoot, John doesn't like any of these ways. Um, you shoot over to Shano, which is where my brother used to live. So that was always nice. When Benjamin was in college, my brother Dan lived there. So he could always, you know, if he needed to, I knew he, he was always halfway was Uncle Dan. But then you jump on, on uh, 39 and you go 39 to Chippewa Falls and you jump on I-94 and you get to Minneapolis. So it's it's. You know, you're not driving out in the boonies too much. It's, it's pretty, pretty normal, you know. That's not a bad, a, a bad trip, but it's a little longer. See, that's the thing. It's longer, okay? But then there's this other way. Now, I know I'm going to say this, and you're going to say, oh, but you could do this, this, and this. Five of you are going to have different, different things. But, but here's the basic gist of it, okay? If you drive over to Ishpeming, on the other side of Ishpeming, and you jump on 95... And you head south. I have to look at this. There's so many numbers. I have to read this, okay? 95 to 69 to 2 to 8 to 51 and go south to 29 and then to 94 and then to Minneapolis. And, and before church, John said, oh, there's several other ways that I prefer rather than that. And I said, yeah, and they all deal with Highway 8. You know, it's, it, there's all these different ways. And they all get us to Minneapolis. You know, when, when Jesus was in his ministry in John 14, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father except through me. The word way, that word in the Greek is twofold. And the first thing is it's the vehicle. Jesus is the vehicle. Don, you're the only one in the room that's in a vehicle right now. So the rest of us are in trouble. Don's already in a vehicle. But when you take a long trip, it, you care about the vehicle that you're going to drive in. You want the one that's comfortable. It's going to get good mileage. It's going to keep you safe. It's going to be reliable. Jesus is the vehicle that gets us to the Father. But Jesus is also, because this word way is not just vehicle, it's the route. Jesus is the route. There's lots of ways to get to Minneapolis. But there's only one way to get to God, and that's through Jesus. The problem is a lot of people want to get to God, but they don't want to go through Jesus. Oh, they'll tell you. They'll tell you. Oh, I believe this. I believe that. I believe if I'm just a good person, I'll, I'll, I'll make it to heaven. I believe this, if I do enough good, good works, uh, if, if the, the scale is weighed out on my life and I'm found to have done more good than bad, I'll make it to heaven. The problem is that the Bible says that Jesus is the only way. He's the route and he's the vehicle and there's no way to get there except through him. And Jesus' sacrifice is what gets us there. 
by embracing what Jesus has done for us. Number four is the road to restoration. Most of us feel that the story of the prodigal, uh, this, this story is about the prodigal son, but really it's a story about the father's love. The father was filled with compassion. He, it says he, ra- he ran up to his son. I, just picture it. The son is, is coming up the road, right? He's coming, and it's a dirt road, you know, maybe kind of gravelly, and he's coming up the road, and the father maybe has never quit looking at the horizon. He's always been looking at that road, wondering, do you think my son could come home? And he sees his son at a distance. Now, this is a culture different than ours. They, they have long robes. It says he ran to him. How would you run in something like that? You know what he did? He probably picked it up. And he either held it or he tucked it inside his belt. And then he started to run. This is not something that men would do. This was seen as undignified. This is seen as as just beyond them. They, They just wouldn't do it. But he did it. He undignified himself and he ran to his son. He didn't wait for his son to get to him and and give his speech. He ran to him and he threw his arms around him and he kissed him. And his son begins to speak. Dad, I've sinned against heaven. I've sinned against you. I'm not worthy to to be your son. And the father cuts him off. He said, bring, bring the robe. Bring, bring the robe. Bring the ring. Bring the sandals. Let's kill the fatted calf. Let's celebrate. He doesn't even let him get to the part where he says, you know, I, I, I could be one of your servants. He doesn't even, that's not even in the picture in this dad's mind. Why? Because he loves his son. And his son who is dead is now alive. Notice the word quick. He says, quick. Bible says now is the time of salvation. Today's the day. That's what God believes. That none would perish. Quick, quick, come home. Quick. You know, God isn't going to make us jump through hoops to get to him. God is ready to receive us even now. John 1.12, yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the sons of God. Oh, I'm so glad. James 4.8, come near to God and he will come near to you. But I want you to understand, and I love one of my favorite verses in all of scriptures, Revelation 3.20, where John says of Jesus, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and opens the door, I will come in and have fellowship with him. Jesus isn't waiting for you to get to his house to knock on the door. He's at your house knocking on the door. So that the moment you're ready to receive, he's there. The road to restoration. So what road are you on today? And where is that road leading you? Is it leading you to wander away from your heavenly father or is it taking you to your heavenly father? I'm just gonna invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes with me today for a moment while we pray. Father, I thank you for these roads. Some of us really remember what that that road to rejection was like. 
Father, we're so grateful that you gave us the opportunity, that you gave us the road to realization, that we had that divine epiphany where our eyes were opened. And maybe for somebody today, this is going to be that day. I know that it was for some in the first service, and I'm so glad for that. But maybe there's somebody here today that realizes that this is one of those moments where they can feel the Holy Spirit speaking to them, saying today could be the day that you could come back to the Father. Where you're having that, that roundabout experience where you realize today you could, you could turn. You could make a turn and a change in your life and you could go back to the Father or have a relationship with Jesus for the first time. You realize you've been on the road to rejection. And maybe today is the day for you. As I close in prayer in just a moment, if that's you, if you say, Pastor, you know what? I, I, today, today is my day. Today I want to get off the road to rejection and I want to get on the road to restoration with my Heavenly Father. If that's you, I want to pray for you. Just slip your hand up so that as I close, I can pray for you. If that's you, just let me know that and I'll, I'll pray for you as we close. Father, I'm so thankful so thankful for repentance. I'm thankful for restoration through your son, Jesus. And God, you have blessed us. You have blessed us by bringing us to that moment of that divine epiphany when our eyes are opened and we, we realize through the power of the Holy Spirit that I need Jesus. God, I thank you I thank you for that experience of salvation, that experience of life. Thank you that you have come to give us life and life to the fullest. Thank you that no matter how far we have been from you, that you have run to us with open arms, that you threw yourself, your arms around us, and you kissed us, and you welcomed us home. Welcome home, my son. Welcome home, my daughter. Father, I thank you for that, and I praise you today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Aren't you glad for the road to restoration? Aren't you glad? Amen. If you know somebody that's on the road to rejection, pray that God will bring them to the road of realization, and he will open their eyes. And it may be for but a moment but those eyes can be opened and they can hear God speaking, calling them home, amen?